So some of us are really familiar with some of the things we're gonna be doing tonight. Others of us may not be as familiar with it and that's okay. Um, I'm gonna do a little bit of a foundation for those who might be newer to our culture or newer to our church um, and who may not kind of have a, a foundation already of like what is inner healing um, like kind of what are we doing here? Didn't Christ pay it all when I got saved? Didn't like everything leave my life and now I'm perfectly great? Um, kind of. And so we want to talk about that a little bit so that we can um, kind of move forward without any mental and theological barriers. Because sometimes, you know, we can sometimes internally we're thinking, well, I don't even know if this is really what God wants to do. And that will or really can block what God wants to do in us. And so we kind of want to move a little bit of that out of the way. Not much, because the most, the predominant amount of time we're going to spend today is going to be on doing the actual work and asking the Holy Spirit about a couple of different things that um, God's kind of talked to me about. But um, first, I want to set kind of a bit of a foundation. Um, and so everything about our walk with Jesus is set on the foundation that God loves me completely and fully where I am right now without anything changing. Yeah. Right? So like absolutely. Oh, yes, Lord. Everything is based on that foundation though. And it's actually really important because if we think, oh great, now I have to like heal myself so God can use me. It's, it's not like that. It isn't like the pressure to fix myself. But we have to first be able to be on that foundation. Just before we start being like, oh, what do I need to fix? What do I need to change? That's not the point if we don't get that God loves us. That's not the point if we don't get that God loves me completely, even if I never changed. Even if I chose to keep that unforgiveness, even if I chose to never cut off that thing, even if I chose to agree with anger for the rest of my life, even if I chose these things, God's love for me would never be shaken. And so it's the foundation that we always have to start from with inner healing. Otherwise, it can just become another performance too. Like, oh, I just don't need to heal. I need to heal myself. I need to get healed. Um, the Holy Spirit does the work anyway, because who understands we can't change ourselves? So, like, even if you were, like, striving, striving, striving to, like, get better, get better, you can't do it anyway. And so that's the good news. The Holy Spirit has to do it for us. And so we have to start in that place of allowing the Holy Spirit room and allowing him space to do what he wants to do with the revelation that God is for me and he loves me and nothing he would give me or say to me or do to me is bad. But it is good for me and it is for my interest and for his kingdom purpose, right? So we need to start there. You know, God gives us this opportunity to enter into a process with Jesus so that we can be free from the effects of sin and death in our lives and in our relationships, right? So that he can make us useful. Um, I can't remember the scripture that talks about, um, you know, it's, it's actually up to us what type of instrument we want to be, right? A cup for common use. I think it says a vessel for common use or a fine vessel that's used for special things, right? And, and I can't remember the exact scripture reference, but it's, it's a great scripture. And it talks about how God actually wants us to choose what kind of vessel do I want to be, right? And we get to choose whether we want to clean the inside of that cup out or whether we just don't, right? And so we want to, I wanna talk for a few minutes about what that looks like and what that means for us. Um, and obviously, you know, spending an hour, hour and a half together today is not gonna do all the work that needs to be done in every single person. So don't get discouraged like, oh my gosh, I still like might have something that still isn't right. This is just meant to get us all on the same page and get us all in the same mindset that God is doing a healing work in our community right now. 
And so throughout this week, you may need more help. You may like need to call somebody and get some more prayer. You may need to ask the Holy Spirit some more questions, but this is going to give you a foundation so that maybe you have some tools to do that. And so some of it will get done right now, but then I can guarantee you that you're going to have other times where you need to pull these tools back out. And so I would say that if you have a way to take some notes, you probably will need them. And so it would be good, you know, if the Holy Spirit's highlighting something to you, if, if the Holy Spirit's like, hey, you need to write that down, I'm going to talk to you about that tomorrow. You know, like write it down because you may need something that we talk about now and you may not be able to get through kind of everything that needs to be done with that thing. Because obviously when you're praying with somebody one-on-one, it's a lot easier to be really specific when you're doing kind of mass things, like with a big group of people, it's not quite as easy. And there may be some real things that need healing that are deeper and that's totally okay. And that's why we have our home and that's why we've got leaders in our life who can help us to walk through that stuff independent of this big gathering. Um, But basically, I want to talk a little bit about just what that means, right? So Christians are born again with all the potential to be like Jesus. And I use that word potential, right? Like, because it's, it's like we are born again and we become, we become like Jesus. We become in Christ. We're given this whole like kingdom, you know, that we have access to, but it's maybe not all yet manifested in our life. It's like we own it, but we've not yet withdrawn it. And so there's a process of learning how to withdraw everything that God has deposited to us in the death and the resurrection of Jesus, right? Because Jesus paid for it all, yet we have to take hold of it all. And that is a journey of taking hold of everything that Jesus has given to us. And so there's no, there's no sin or, or sorry, there's no shame in having like sin issues or needing freedom. Sometimes in the church, there's like shame around that kind of stuff. Like, oh, I'm addicted to this or I've struggled with that. And we feel like, well, I'm a Christian. I'm not supposed to tell people about that because Christians are supposed to be fine. And that is the biggest lie in the world because shame actually causes us to stay in the dark while kingdom actually calls us into the light, right? Because Jesus says, I want my light to shine on you so that I can purify the darkness in you. So when we keep dark, dark, It's the devil's domain. Anywhere there's darkness, the devil rules in that place. But when we bring light into the darkness, it invites Holy Spirit to actually transform and to mold and to bring what God wants into that space. And so that's why we we can't have environments of shame or any kind of shame culture. When we need freedom, it's cool. So let's go get it. it. Let's go get it. God has it for you. God has it for me. In Ephesians 5, 13 and 14, It talks about everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For everything that's illuminated becomes a light itself. In other words, what we bring into the light becomes that light. So we begin to reflect God in that area. And so it said, verse 14, so it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and allow Christ's light to shine on you. Lazarus is a really good example of what it looks like to be born again, right? John 11, 43 to 44 is when Jesus actually calls out to Lazarus to come out from the tomb. And he says, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, so the people around him, the community around him, people, Jesus said to them, take off his grave clothes and let him go. There's a community factor that's involved in the journey of freedom. When we rise from the dead, right, which there's so much more in the, the, the Lazarus journey, like the, the whole story of Lazarus, there's so much more. It could be like a whole like hour teaching by itself. 
But what I want to focus on is the resurrection part. We're all resurrected into new life, right? We're raised again, the Bible says, to newness of life. We are born again into Christ. But then there's a journey of getting off all of the grave clothes that still smell like death. And it's not just us who can take all that stuff off of us, which is why Jesus says to the ones around him, unwrap him and let him go. Which is why you can't do it by yourself, which is why God calls us to community. It's why we say stuff like we're committed to each other. And we don't just come in and out of community because there's no way to fully be healed and to fully be free without other people. God needs us to need each other. So the authority that we have in Jesus, I want to talk about authority for a few minutes. So some of us, right, when we, when we come into Christ, we don't understand the authority he's given us over the devil. And maybe that's because we're still kind of like in a bunch of agreements with the devil. And that's okay. Like I said, there's no shame, but we're going to break those things off because God actually wants us to be free and desires us to be free. But he has given us authority in Jesus. And I want to talk about authority a little bit because, um, okay, in John 20, 21, it says, as the father has sent me, now I'm sending you. This is Jesus speaking to the the apostles speaking to us, right? As the Father has sent me, now I'm sending you. In Ephesians chapters one and two, which you can read, you know, the full chapters when you get a chance, um, it talks about how all authority belongs to Jesus. So all authority in the whole universe, in all of time, everywhere, everything is under the feet of Jesus, every name that can be named, every authority that exists, every ruler, principality, blah, blah, blah. They're all under the name of Jesus. And so Jesus then takes that same authority that's in him and he gives it to us. Now here's the difference before you knew Jesus. Before you knew Jesus, there was sin, there was shame, there was stuff, there was bondage in your life, but guess what? It was there because the devil is the Lord of this kingdom. He is the Lord of all things that are not in Christ. And so he still has authority over those who remain outside of Christ. And so once you become under, like almost like think of yourself going into Christ, Once you come under the Lordship of Christ, you now have been given the authority of Christ and he's the only one that has authority over the devil. So you didn't have it before and you still don't have it unless you're in Christ and you're exercising the authority of Christ that is in you, which is why anything the devil tries to do to a son or a daughter of God, he does not have the authority to do. But it doesn't mean that he won't try because he's lawless. And so he goes places that he doesn't have authority to be. And it's up to us to call him out and tell him to leave, which is why we have to understand the will of God, which is why we need to understand what sin is, which is why we need to call truth, truth and wrong, wrong. Like this is why it's important that we actually understand the calling that God's called us into. There's a difference between a renter and a squatter. A renter has permission to live where they live and a squatter is hiding out, hoping nobody sees them. The devil is a squatter in the life of every believer. And so it's up to you to go through your house and be like, I'm sorry, you don't live here anymore. And the Holy Spirit will show us where he's hiding. That's the thing. You walk into the house and you're like, hey, the devil, are you here? And he's like, shh, be quiet. Don't tell them where we are. And the Holy Spirit's like, he in the closet. Like, go over and get him out of the closet. The devil, like, the Holy Spirit is going to tell you exactly the areas that we need freedom and that we need light. Sometimes we don't even know. We're like, I just keep doing this. I don't know. Like, it's just like who I am. And God's like, it's not who you are. And I'm also going to tell you why it's happening. 
So another thing that sometimes as Christians we struggle with is the whole like, am I a sinner or not a sinner? You know, like a lot of times in Christian culture, people talk about, well, I'm a sinner just saved by grace. I'm just a sinner just trying to make it. Um, that is not a kingdom perspective and it's not a biblical perspective. Jesus did not call us into his kingdom, give us all the life of the father, give mm -hmm. us all his authority in heaven and in earth and in everywhere above the earth to be like, you know what? Sin is just still so hard. It's like a, I'm a slave. Like, no, you were a slave and now you have all of the authority in Christ to be free. Like before, when you were under the kingdom of this age, you didn't have the authority to be free, but now you are in Christ and you have the authority to be free. So when something presents itself in your life that doesn't look like Jesus, you can say, okay, this is a problem because that does not belong to me. And so you can then invite the Holy Spirit into that place and you can invite him into authority over that thing and be like, help lead me out of this because this is not who I am. I'm now like Jesus. So I don't want this in my life anymore. In Romans 8, 2 to 4, right, it says, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met, who did not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Read it on your own, Romans 8. But it's a really good chapter <laughs> that breaks down the fact that we used to be subject to sin we used to be subject to the flesh but those who live by the spirit now have an exit out of living that way we have been given grace by jesus in other words empowerment that's what grace means it's the empowerment of god to change so we're not just sinners trying to make it through life with god we're called to live free from sin and we're on the way to being like Jesus, right? The more we surrender to the spirit's work, which is why it's not about changing. It's about surrendering. It's about actually like, like getting lower. It's about allowing God into the places. It's about believing the things he's already said. When we do this, we're actually surrendering those parts of our life to the Holy spirit again, because he's the only one who can change us. We cannot change ourselves. In Galatians 5.1, it says, stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Let yourselves. In other words, we must have permission. We, mu we must have like some authority on the matter of whether we want to be enslaved again by the yoke of slavery that Jesus died to set us free from. Mm -hmm. We don't have to live enslaved. So when something comes up and is revealed as sin, we have the authority and the tools in Christ to fight and to win that battle with the, pre with the presence and the power of God. Um, okay, so last thing I'm going to talk about, and then we're going to kind of get into it. I want to talk about agreement. Everything in the spirit realm functions through agreements. If I agree with you, I am in partnership with you. If I disagree with you, just look at Facebook, then you'll understand. If I disagree with you, <laughs> I am not in partnership with you. This is basically like everything that's happening right now in the world. So we can understand agreements. When I break agreement, it means I no longer agree, right? So I no, I no longer in union with you. This is the way the spirit realm works. When we are in agreement with the devil in our life, he then through that agreement has power over that area of our life. 
When we break agreement, which comes in a lot of ways, when we stop believing that lie, when we agree with the truth, when we stand our ground and exercise our authority, when we repent, when we forgive, all these things break the agreement that he has in our life and he no longer has a way to get to us. It's like, no, you know, like he has broken off and he can no longer access us through that point of entry. And so the point of breaking agreements, which we'll go through some of this stuff and we're gonna start to ask the Holy Spirit certain things in our own heart, in our own life. But as we break off his, his power over us, it then releases us to actually like figure out the problem with the Holy Spirit, get healed, get free, whatever we may need, right? Sometimes it doesn't end right in that moment. You know, somebody might get free, let's say from an addiction to pornography. Well, you, it's not like, oh, great, God just broke that off. I mean, look, this could happen, and it's happened before, where someone, you know, they go down in an altar call. They get back up. They're like, I never looked again, and I was totally free forever, and I never was ever tempted. That's unlikely. Because when God sets you free from the oppression, okay, well, now the, the demonic presence is gone, but now you still have some work to do, like probably some counseling, maybe some accountability, probably some blocks on your computer and things like that, right? Because... There's actually a journey of stewardship, which we won't go into so much today, but there's actually a journey of stewardship in keeping the freedom that God gives us. Because it's not so much that, you know, God can set us free from anything, anytime, you know, just, we just have to ask. It's actually so easy, but staying free is actually the more complicated part. Staying free requires accountability. It requires decision. It requires taking authority in the moment when the devil comes back to you to lie to you again, which he will. So don't think things today that like God totally sets you free, like whether it's a mindset, whether it's a lie, whether it's trauma, whatever it is, please believe that within a few hours, the devil is going to come back. He's going to be like, did God really say? Because like that's all he does is lie and deceive. And so you'll have to exercise the authority that you have in Christ in that moment to be like, actually, no, God did set me free and I am no longer believing that lie. And I'm not, you know, whatever it is that God has done in you, you need to keep that and you need to throw it back in the devil's face and say, no, I'm not going there again. No, you can't come back in. No, 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 no. You know, my favorite thing in, um, in the, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is John 14 30, where Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane and he says, he says, the, the ruler of this world is coming. In other words, um, that was right before they were going to take him to the cross. So he says, the ruler of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. Think about it. Jesus is about to go to the cross, right? Obedient to the will of the Father. And he says, the ruler of this world, Satan, is the ruler of this world. In case anybody was like, who's he talking about? <laughs> Satan, the ruler of this world. <laughs> The ruler of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. Wouldn't it be amazing to be able to say that? That he can do all his stuff out there, but he's got nothing in me. And I know like some people are like, can Christians have demons? You know, this isn't a teaching about whether Christians can have demons. Yes, that's the answer. But we can talk about it another time. If you want some teaching on it, like reach out. Yes, in you, on you, whatever. Can Christians have demons? Yes. But, you know, the theology of it is a longer thing that if you're interested, just let me know. Um, but I just don't have time to teach about it too much. But for the sake of this ministry session, yes. Um, and the depth of that and the amount of that torment. And I know people say, oh, the Holy Spirit cannot dwell in the same place as the devil. I know. And, you know, it, it's about agreements. Again, it's not like, anyway, 
I'll hit on it later, another time, give you some teaching. Um, but anyway, if you have a specific issue with that for real, reach out, because I do, understanding is important. So if you need to understand that, and that's been a real like serious hang up for you or something you just truly want to understand, please reach out. And I, there's a lot of teachings that I can like give to you. Um, all right, so we're gonna get into some ministry now. And um, do we have, like, do we just have some music that we can just turn on? Like, cause I know it's kind of weird. Hey, how about this? People give me a thumbs up or thumbs down. When music comes through this speaker, is it like a little more distracting or is it good or bad? Give a thumbs up if it's great and give a thumbs down if you're like, no thanks. I'm seeing a lot of thumbs up. Oh, great, okay. Um, so, hmm, how will we do it? Oh, we're gonna um, connect to a little, just a little like instrumental, little instrumental thing. Alexa, play Maverick City. Alexa, play Maverick City. All right. So I'll just put on a little bit of like without words or something. I've, I think I've got. <laughs> like that is the best album. It is so good. Hang on, I got it, guys. You got it? Yeah. Is that too loud? Or is it fine? It's fine. Cool. I'll just have it like background for my voice. Because can you still hear me okay, even though that's on? All right, cool. Um, all right, so what we're gonna do, I want everybody to kind of like, I don't know, get in your own space where you're not distracted in a sense. So, um, you know, just close your eyes because we're gonna start to ask God some things and he's gonna speak to us about our own life. He's gonna speak to us about what's going on in us, in our heart. Um, you know, I've, God told me before this, um, you know, he's, I want my people free from entanglement. And that was like the word that he used, entanglement. Like, I want my people free from entanglements of the world. And in order to take ground in the spirit, we have to get rid of the schemes of the devil. And we need to be free from his entanglements because it will keep us from being effective. Yeah, you might get into heaven, but you won't be effective on the earth. And it's actually God's plan for us to be effective. We do not want to live deceived into a place of uselessness. We want to be used by God. Um, you know, we're going to start in a place that is extremely easy to start in any group of people, and that's forgiveness. <laughs> Everyone goes, mm. like, <laughs> forgiveness. I want, to, I want to tell us a few things about forgiveness because forgiveness is not a feeling right? Forgiveness is not a feeling, and it's also not a choice, according to the Bible. It says in Matthew 6, 15, if you do not forgive others, your, your Father in heaven will not forgive you. That's a pretty bold statement, because there's some things people have done that have been pretty unforgivable, surely. But yet, God says to us, if you don't forgive others, I won't forgive you, because the unforgivable has been forgiven in us. God forgave us all of our trespasses, and so we forgive others. Remember when, um, I think it's, is it Peter who asked Jesus in Matthew 18, 
how many times should I forgive? Seven times? You know, and he's thinking he's like being super gracious, like seven times? And Jesus is like, oh, how about 77, right? Like he's, and then it's like, what, how, how could I ever? And it's like, in other words, always, <laughs> forever, every time we forgive. And forgiveness has nothing to do with our emotions. Like somebody needs to hear that because I feel like there's been like people who get caught in their emotion and emotion is not bad, but it is not our leader, right? So emotions are not bad things. Emotions are good. Yes, we need to listen to our heart. Emotions are, you know, they tell us what's going on inside and all this kind of stuff. But emotions elevated to too prominent of a place will take you out because emotions are not good leaders. Yes, they indicate what's going on, but they are not our leader. Emotions do not tell us whether we can forgive or not forgive. Emotions just tell us that there's pain involved. And the good thing is that once we forgive, then the Holy Spirit can come in and heal in the emotion realm. Because when we refuse to forgive, it's almost like, you know, probably most of us have heard this, you're putting yourself in prison. And you are pushing off the healing that could come if you would choose to forgive. But once you forgive, you move out of the way and now you're inviting Holy Spirit to come and to bring healing to the thing that's broken, to the thing that's hurt. And you don't have to wonder constantly, did I really forgive them? Did I really forgive them? Because I'm still hurt about it. I thought about it again and it made me mad. You know, it's like once you make that choice and you speak it out verbally, it's not like in your mind that you think, oh, I, I forgive that person. Or every, everything we do is verbal in this whole thing, by the way. So when we're praying prayers, when we're thinking things, I don't want you to think it in your head. I want you to say it out loud because the devil does not know your thoughts. He knows your words. And it's important that he hears just as well as it's important that you hear the things that you're saying because words, with our words, we curse. With our words, we bless. With God's words, he spoke and everything came into order. All of creation came into being through the word of God, right? It's important that we speak out the thing because words have formative power. They're creation. They create things. So forgiveness is what we're going to head into right now. And I just want all of us to kind of go into a place of just communion with the Holy Spirit. And we're just going to ask that question. This, this you can just, you know, ask in your heart. Is there anyone I need to forgive? And even right now, I bet, like, as I've even been talking, there's been people that have been, like, popping into to hearts and popping into minds. Sometimes someone will come into your mind. You don't even know what you need to forgive them for. Really like them. Oh, they're awesome. They're the best. Why would I ever need to forgive them? The Holy Spirit knows offense that we keep in our heart that we might not even be able to recognize. So it's important to pay attention when we feel the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Sometimes we even need to ask God, why do I need to forgive them? And he'll show you, you know, it might be something so small or it could be something really big and it's okay either way but we want to release the debt. That's what we're doing in forgiveness. We're releasing the debt that someone actually owes us. And you know what? Here's another fun fact about forgiveness. It doesn't even have to be a real offense. It can just be perceived. And that's even sometimes a struggle because we think, well, they didn't mean that. That's like not what they were trying to do. And how could I be holding this offense? But you are. And so just let it go. Sometimes if we're holding offense against God, 
That can be one of the hardest ones. Let's say that somebody, somebody died that you loved. You could actually be, I mean, holding offense toward God over that. And you would never mean, oh no, I've never, God is so holy, I would never against God. But actually God knows your heart. And so even, I feel like to bring that up, you know, somebody might be hearing, forgive me, you know, from God. Because God is bigger than like our, you know, mental understanding. He's big enough to, to handle that theologically. You know, he's big enough to, to deal with it if you are holding offense against him. And so you may need to be like, God, I release you from the debt that I've perceived you owed me, if you need to say it that way. But what we're going to do now, I know many of us will have somebody in our, in our head, in our heart coming up. And so we're going to start that process. And I'm going to lead all of us through a prayer. And basically what you're going to do out loud where you are is repeat after me. And you can say the person's name and what you're forgiving them for quietly, right? Like you don't need other people to hear that. That's your own business between you and God. Um, but I still want you to whisper it, um, you know, just to God. And so um, what we're going to do, we'll start with one person. And then this is a tool that you can use on your own. So maybe later on this week, um, you know, you need to go back to God. Maybe you've got a lot of unforgiveness going on and that that's okay. Some, some of us do. And some of us have maybe never even really processed that that was going on in our heart and the Holy Spirit's bringing it out. That's good. So then take some time, you know, this week, I would say, and just start to deal with that with the Holy Spirit. Ask him what, where did this offense come in? Why am I holding this offense? What lies am I believing because of this? And he'll show you. So we're going to go through one together just so that we kind of understand the way it works. Um, so why don't you repeat after me? I want everybody to do it out loud, right? So Father God, I choose to forgive. And I want you to put that person's name in there yourself. Forgive them for hurting me. I choose to forgive them for... And I want you to now talk to God about what you're forgiving them for. Just start to list off whatever the Holy Spirit is bringing into your heart. I choose to forgive them for and just start to share that. All right, now we're going to keep going. So I realize, I realize that, their that their issues are their issues. They are not for me to fix or for me to carry. I choose to release them and I cancel the debt that they owe me. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you heal my heart and heal my mind? Now, I want you to ask the Father, are there any lies I'm believing because of this person? Now, who's having a lie come into their heart or come, like kind of come up? Yeah, like people here are, yeah. So now I want you to ask God, what is the truth? He's going to tell you the truth. He doesn't withhold from us. And everyone can hear the voice of God. 
The Bible says, my sheep know my voice. So maybe the lie you're believing is that you can't hear from God. I actually think there's somebody who's believing that lie. Well, God doesn't really speak to me that much. That's a lie. So renounce that lie. If you're not hearing God right now, and you feel like, well, I can't really discern his voice, renounce the lie that I don't hear your voice. Because that's a lie from the pit of hell. We are not able to live our life under the power and presence of God without the voice of God. We're not called to live our life without his voice. So repeat or rebuke that lie and invite his voice to come. He is always speaking. Invite your ears to open, to hear. So what I want us to do, those of us who heard a lie, we're just going to actually break agreement with the lie. And we're going to verbally break agreement with the lie, and then we're going to come into agreement with the truth. And you can do this under your own voice, but kind of what it's going to be like is I break agreement with the lie, da-da-da-da-da, and I come into agreement with your truth, that da-da-da-da-da. So go ahead and do that. All right. And so some of us, you know, there may be more than one lie we're believing because of that person or that relationship or whatever. And, and that's something, again, take that into your week. Tomorrow, I'm going to send out something to the whole church that will give you some of these tools in written form. So don't feel like I have to write down every word for word that I said. Um, I'll send out some of these prayers and some of these tools so that you can use them in your, in your prayer this week. Um, but this brings us now to lies, which we're going to talk about. So um, obviously, we just kind of ask God, is there a lie and believe me because of this person that I need to forgive. But sometimes there's just straight up lies we're believing. It's not even because of unforgiveness. It could be a plethora of reasons that we've begun to believe a lie. But what lies do is they distort our perspective of ourself, of God, and of others. And the problem is that when Jesus died and rose again, right, the, the, the community of God, the ideal community of God is represented in the Trinity. So when we, when we look at Father, Son, Holy Spirit, nothing hidden, everything exchanged, full communion, right? Then God created Adam and Eve and he invited them into that communion and in essence invited us by default, right? Into that communion. He wants humanity, the redeemed version of us, in that communion with the Trinity, where we have unbroken relationship with God. But what happens when we look back at the fall, what did the fall break? So sin broke relationship. It broke relationship with God. It broke relationship with each other. And it broke relationship with self. And so what lies do, it's, it's that same thing right? We want to get rid of lies. We want to get rid of things that break our perspective, that ruin the way that we're meant to see and give us almost like fake glasses. I'm sure like we've all heard the term rose-colored glasses, and you can't help it. If you're seeing through those things, you're seeing through those things. You don't even know they're there, so you don't know to take them off. It's the nature of deception, but again, the Holy Spirit's the revealer. So he's going to show us right now any lies that we're believing that are deceiving us, how about specifically about community? Let's, let's start with that one. And I'm t you can take this tool and use it for anything, right? You can say, are there any lies I'm believing about? Insert the blank. The Holy Spirit will tell you. So let's start with that. Are there any lies I'm believing about community? 
And so I want everybody get get in that place with Holy Spirit. No one's here. It's you and God. Are there any lies that I'm believing about community? And who's hearing a lie? Yeah, I see like hands going up. Now I want you to ask God, what's the truth? Now we're gonna break agreement with the lie and then we're gonna receive the truth from God. And you know what that's gonna do? When you break agreement with that lie, it's almost like those glasses go boop and they click back to real perspective. So let's go ahead. I break agreement with the lie that, and I come into agreement with the truth that. And so that's a tool. Lies are, lies come from all kinds of places, right? So that was an example of how we break agreement with lies. But again, lies can come from unforgiveness, they can come from trauma, they can come from experiences that we've had with people, they can come from something that actually really was true over and over again in our life. Here's something interesting that the devil does. He tries to create repeat situations to reinforce his lies. And so some of us believe something is so true, like how could this not be the truth? because we've experienced it over and over and over and over and over again. But the problem is when the devil gets a foothold, right? So imagine, um, imagine like you're like cliff hanging, hiking, whatever you call it, when you climb up a rock face and rock climbing. <laughs> when, you're climb, when you're climbing a rock, it's like I can think of anything except the actual name. Anyway, when you're outside, like, I don't know, I don't do that. I'm just when people put their feet right in the little clefts of the rock, Thank you. This is what this is what it's talking about. When you give the devil a foothold, you give him a tiny, tiny little place to stand, like a tiny, tiny little spot just to like put his little toe, if he has a little toe. I don't know. But anyway, you know what I mean. Put his little foot. And so when he puts his foot there, then he's like, "Do they believe me? Do they believe me? Let me send another situation. Let me send another hypothetical thing. Let me send another person to say that thing again. Let me send another situation where they feel like they weren't invited. Let me send another person that doesn't, you know, that tells them that. And so then we're like, oh, this is the truth. And he's like, gotcha. And it's like, now there's a fortress around that lie. So this is why it's so important that we don't allow his scenarios to dictate what's true. That's why we have to know the word of God. If God says, I'm beloved, I am a daughter of God, I am fully loved, I am fully accepted, but all those people rejected me, that's not the truth. But it's my reality, but it's not the truth. Do you know your reality and the truth can actually be in opposition? That's why we're called to live in a different reality. We don't live in the reality of this world. We live in the reality of the kingdom. And so if we accept the reality of this world as the truth, we've now come into the devil's domain because he's the ruler of this world. Remember, it's the name Jesus gave him. So if we want the truth of the kingdom, we need to have kingdom thoughts. And we don't get kingdom thoughts from our perspective and our experiences. We get kingdom thoughts from the Holy Spirit and the word of God. So if we don't know where to look and we don't know what to believe, we're going to believe the stuff we see around us. We're going to believe culture. We're going to believe the news. We're going to believe all the stuff that tells us what the ruler of this world wants us to think and believe. 
But he has no truth. It says the truth is not in him. It's only in Christ. So we don't want to live in a distorted reality, which is why we need to know the word. And we need to know the spirit. All right, I want to talk about trauma for a few minutes. Trauma is, is, a, big, is a big deal uh, in our lives, right? Any traumatic experience that we go through shapes something in us if we don't uproot that and we don't allow the Holy Spirit to come and to bring healing. This is in the realm of the soul, right? Trauma is, is a soul wound. It's something that has changed the way we see or what we experience or how we can receive love. You know, like um, for me, an example of trauma in my life was with, um, you know, with touch. I had some trauma around touch because I wasn't you know, my family just wasn't that touchy, like nothing against them. They're great. My mom's here. She's wonderful. Um, and she loves me and I knew she loved me. Right. But just my family was not that touchy and I was never like abused by touch, but I was never really touched in a loving way either too much. If that makes sense, not by many people. And so for me, touch was very uncomfortable and I would get around people and they would touch me or they'd be like huggers would get around and be like, Whoa, no, 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 no. You know, like, like, give me a hug. And I was like, ah, like, no. And so God had to actually show me that that was actually me. Like, that was a problem. And I was like, oh, that's not my personality. I don't like hugs. And God was like, no, it has nothing to do with your personality. You're broken. <laughs> you need healing. <laughs> you need to learn how to receive love. So sometimes we think things are just like how we are. And it's actually maybe like a root of trauma there, big or small. Because we know trauma can be much bigger <laughs> than something as simple as that, right? Um, and so for some of us, it could be maybe we were touched in a way that was wrong. For some of us, maybe we were hit or abused. Maybe verbally we've been abused. Um, maybe we've been in situations where, uh, you know, at school, maybe bullied. Or, you know, there's so many forms of trauma. You know, it could actually have even been an accident, like a physical accident, um, you know, that caused us possibly to believe God wasn't protecting us. And then we started saying, well, you know, God's not protected. God didn't protect me from that. God doesn't protect me from this. And then we invite that like oppression to come and root in that trauma. And so trauma can look like a lot of things. Uh, it could be physical, spiritual, mental, anything. Um, and again, I can't like fully teach on all the aspects of trauma. However, um, I want us to ask Holy Spirit in this moment, is there any trauma that you want to set me free from? And it may be known or unknown by you. And here's what we're going to do on this one. If you're in a room with people and you raise your hand that there's trauma that God is wanting to set you free from, I'm going to give instructions in a minute, but first we're going to, let's ask Holy Spirit first. If you're not with other people, then you're just going to ask Holy Spirit to come where you are. But if you're with other people, we're going to do it a little differently. So Holy Spirit, I want all of us to just focus in with Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, is there any trauma that you want to set me free from? And if you're hearing something, I want you to raise your hand. If you're hearing yes, then raise your hand. And some, somebody is going to come and, and pray with you right now where you are. So look around, like everybody look around if you're not raising your hand. Um, Jess, can you come pray with Bria? Steve, can you pray with Pam? 
And if, where you guys are, if you, if some, can you raise your hand? If God is showing you, yes, there is a trauma that I want to set you free from. Raise your hand where you are. Um, lay your hands on a person um, who's near you. And it just, you know, it doesn't have to be a lot of people. You don't have to even tell them what it is right now. But we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit into the soul. We're going to invite him into our heart. And we're going to just let him do some work right now. And he may tell you some things. He may tell you, hey, I want you to forgive this person. He may tell you, hey, there's this lie that you're believing. He may tell, you know, Holy Spirit may give you further instruction. And maybe for the person that's praying for you, you may want to, you know, kind of exchange a couple words with them. That's cool. We're going to leave a couple minutes for this right now. Um, you know, in each home, I know there's people who are, you know, equipped to some extent to deal with, like, you know, ministering to one another. So, and if that's not something that Holy Spirit has shown you, then what I want you to do in this moment, if you're not praying for somebody else, why don't you either do practice the lie or practice for unfor um, unforgiveness? So ask Holy Spirit, is there anyone else you want me to forgive? Or is there another lie that I'm believing? And guaranteed, you know, between those things, there's probably, <laughs> there's probably something, right? Um, so, yeah, so let's pray for one another and or start to ask Holy Spirit about... Um, about the forgiveness and if there's any other lies that we're believing. And if you're praying for somebody who is dealing, who God said, I want to set you free from trauma. Um, I'm actually going to pray real quick, just over everybody as you guys are praying, but you don't have to stop. Holy Spirit, we invite you into every place where there is trauma in our hearts, trauma in our souls. We invite your healing presence, your healing power into that place. Thank you that you are the healer, that you were there, Jesus, that you were in every situation, that your presence was there that you're for us, God, that nothing that has happened to us that is negative, that is, that is for our destruction has ever been sent by you. And so we break agreement with any lie that would tell us that it's your will. We break agreement with any lie that would bring us into a place of seeing you wrong, seeing who you are wrong, God. Give us a revelation of your good nature, your perfect nature. The foundation of love that you have for us. And I rebuke the spirit of trauma right now off of everyone who has experienced the roots of that. So right now, I command trauma to leave your people. God, I thank you, Lord, that it is your will for us to live free and so we command every trauma to be healed in the name of Jesus. Physical trauma, we command healing in the name of Jesus. Who was in a traumatic accident? So who was in an accident that actually caused trauma to your body? So physical trauma. Is there anybody? Raise your hand or like insinuate in some way that you were in a physical accident that caused an injury and you still have the injury. Is there anybody? It's hard for me to see. 
you might have to like wave me down or something. Is there anybody? Can you insinuate? Yeah. Um, okay. Is there somebody in Toledo who raised their hand from an injury? You can just give me a thumbs up if yes. Okay, yes. Is there anybody in LA who has an injury and they still have trauma from it? Yes. Okay, I can't see some of the other ones. Okay, so what we're gonna do, is there anybody here who has trauma from an actual accident and there's physical trauma in your body? An injury that you still are not healed from? Okay, so what we're gonna do now, if, you, if there's somebody where the trauma is from an accident, um, I want you to, if the trauma is from an accident, I want you to ask Holy Spirit, have I forgiven the person who inflicted this on me? So whether it was a car accident, whether it, you, you know, you fell off of something, I don't know. Ask Holy Spirit, is there anyone I need to forgive associated with this injury? So do that now, if, if it's you and you had an injury from trauma. If there's anybody you need to forgive, go ahead and do that now. So remember the prayer, I choose to forgive this person for hurting me. I forgive them for what they did. I release them in the name of Jesus. That's good enough. So go ahead and pray that. All right, and now the person who's praying with you, if, you, if you're the one who has the trauma, the physical trauma, I want you to just like lay hands on them. And I want you to say, in the name of Jesus, I command the spirit of trauma to leave. I know the Holy Spirit is still doing some things, at least here. Um, see, there's some people still receiving prayer. And after this, we may, um, you know, if, if you need more prayer about a specific thing that's kind of come out during this during this time, then just ask somebody to continue to pray with you um, about that thing if it hasn't been able to fully be resolved in this moment, that's okay. And if you're if if you're receiving ministry right now and um, you know it's really like you need to stay there, then go ahead. But we're gonna move on as a group um, and we'll continue to press into some other things. <coughs> All right, so we're gonna kind of go into a different area now, which is again, another tool that we can use in our everyday life. Um, and this is the confession of sin. So repentance is a really, really important part of Christian life. And I'm not talking about like when I got saved, I repented of sin and I like became a Christian and that's repentance. That's the first time you repent. And then there will be a bunch of other times too that come after that. <laughs> kind of anytime there's sin in your life, really. Um, repentance is the acknowledgement that God's way is right and my way is wrong. Right? I think it's Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 55, 8. I just hit the Bible like a like a real preacher. I said, I think it's Isaiah 55, 8. 
that says um, God's ways are higher than our ways, just as his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And his, or sorry, his ways are higher, his thoughts are higher, and his ways are different, and his thoughts are different. I can't remember the exact scripture, but um, basically God's ways and his thoughts are both different and higher than ours. And with repentance, or this is also the difference between pride and humility, which is one of the most massive things about being a Christian. The thing that will cut us off from God quicker than anything is pride. Because pride takes us out of being in Christ and sets us alone. <laughs> so when we choose to not agree with God, we choose to take up our own understanding, and that separates us from being in Christ, right? And this is not to, like, provoke fear, but I guess a little fear of the Lord. For anyone who's in pride, I guess we'll fear the fear of the Lord, which is fine. Um, and fear is a irreverence, right? It's an honor for God. But pride will take us out of God's protection. Humility keeps us under Christ. It keeps us in the protection of God in our life. And so it's really important. This is why, again, like knowing our word, this is why listening to the Holy Spirit, this is why asking God, like, am I good right now? Is there, is there like anything that you're wanting to fix, correct, shift, change, adjust, that we're actually staying open with an open heart for God to reveal those things? Because sometimes there might be sin in our life. We have no idea. You know, we've been living with that thing forever. We don't know that that's sin until the Holy Spirit shows us or somebody points it out to us, or we read something in scripture, we're like, oh, that's not what I do. <laughs> I must be not, I must be doing the opposite of that. You know, and it's, it's when we agree with God, and we actually say, hey, you know what, God, you're right, and I'm wrong. And I'm going to lay down my thoughts, my ways, and I'm going to invite you into that space in my life to know your thoughts and your ways, which are higher and different than mine. That's, that's the, the essence of repentance. And the Bible says in Matthew, I believe it is, confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you can be healed. Is it okay to turn this off? I'm not sure how So when we confess our sin, it says that God is both faithful and just to forgive us. Right? So God wants to forgive us. It's not like he's lo like looking, where's sin in your life? Like he's not that kind of father. The reason why he reveals sin is going back again, because when the light comes in, it takes away the authority that the devil has had in our life to cause us to be ineffective and to separate us from his love and to separate us from, or not his love, but separate us from his presence. And he doesn't want that for us. He has better for us. And so what we want to do now is we're actually going to invite the Holy Spirit and we're going to ask, is there any sin in my life? And like probably almost all of us, probably all of us, if anybody is like full on like Jesus already, then like come take over. But um, pretty sure like all of us still have some elements in our life that are not fully exactly perfect what God wants us to be, right? I think we can all like, so, so there's, it's not like, oh, I wonder in here who has some sin. Like everybody probably, right? Because again, like we're, we're becoming like Christ right? We've got like everything he paid for. We're, we're apprehending it. We're going toward it, but none of us are fully there yet. And it's probably our whole life that it takes to get there. And so all of us, you know, are in a place of humility with this and it's God, is there any sin in my life? And he'll reveal it. 
right? So let's just ask, is there any area of sin in my life right now? And remember, sin, is the, it, it just means offense toward God. So something that we do think that offends God. Remember, it's never who you are because who you are is in Christ. So you are not the problem. Sin is the problem. Separate this from your identity and your value. Sin is the problem. God wants to get rid of the sin and pull it off of you because you are not sinful. You are someone who is dealing with sin and Jesus came to deal with sin once and for all. So he wants to give you his power. He wants to give you his authority. He wants to give you his ways, his thoughts, because they're available to you because you're his son, you're his daughter. So I'm sure some of us will be, you know, seeing something, feeling something, hearing something here. And here's what we're going to do. Um, we're just going to give that to God. We're going to say, God, I acknowledge that blank is wrong. So here's the first part. What we're going to do together right now is we're going to acknowledge that sin to God. And we're going to repent of that sin to God. And then after this, you're going to go to someone and tell them about what God showed you. Because depending on what it is, you know, it may be simple and it may be a little complicated to get to a place where you feel like you have like full authority and freedom in this area of your life. But God, the Holy Spirit's the revealer. So he's going to reveal right now any areas of our life where sin is there and we may or may not already be aware of it. So let's ask, Holy Spirit, would you reveal any sin that's currently in my life and here's what we're going to do with whatever God has revealed to us we're going to repent of that sin and what repent means it means turn away it means align our thinking with the mind of Christ right and I think it's it's first Corinthians 5 or second Corinthians 5 that says we have access to the mind of God through Christ. So in Isaiah, when it says, you know, who can know the, the thoughts of the Lord? Who can know, you know, the, who can perceive it? And then Paul says, you can, because you have the mind of Christ. And so he's given us his mind, his thoughts. And so Holy Spirit, we acknowledge that you're the revealer. We submit, Father God, to the things that you are telling us. You are the judge of what is right and what is wrong. And some of us, you know, we've got to come into a place where I refuse to justify sin in my life. I refuse. Because you can find about a million people to tell you that what you're doing is fine. You can find people who love Jesus and love you, and they'll be like, you're amazing, you're great. You know, you can find the yes people who will get around you and be like, high five, like everything you do is amazing. I'll tell you what, that's not what we need all the time. We have to resolve that what God calls sin, I call sin. What scripture calls sin, I call sin. And it says in Romans, do not be condemned by what you approve even. So we need to get our minds and our hearts in alignment and in agreement with God. Because unless something is acknowledged and owned, it cannot in fact be, be freed. <laughs> So there could be sin in my life for years and years and years. I refuse to acknowledge it. I refuse to call it what it is. I'm going to stay bound in that thing forever. We have to acknowledge, yep, that is not God. That is sin. I don't want it. And now we can be free.
So we're going to repent. And then this is something, again, like obviously we can do it all the time with whatever the Holy Spirit is showing us in our life. And so I want us to go into that place with God. And remember, you may need to also tell somebody after this. Don't let shame tell you it's not okay to talk about it. Remember who you are. This is not you. This does not belong to you. This is a scheme of the devil in your life, and it does not belong in your life. So remember that. Don't let shame tell you, oh, be careful. Don't talk about it. All right. So let's, let's repent, uh, you know, just you and God. And basically what repentance sounds like is, again, I acknowledge, God, that, that this is wrong. And I invite your truth into this place. I repent of this. I leave it behind. I want your power. Fill me with your grace to be free from this. Fill me with your perspective. Show me the ways that I have, that I have empowered this in my life. Show me the things that I need to change in my life. Some of us may have to practically change a bunch of stuff. Some of us may have to change relationships because we get around the same old people who do the same old stuff and then we get right into it. So sometimes we have to put boundaries. There's a lot of other things that we may have to do in order, again, the stewardship piece to stay free. But Holy Spirit can give us the tools and give us the steps. And so we're going we're gonna to move on from, from repentance. But again, this is something you can do anytime. And if there's something that you need to talk about after this, please go to someone to talk about that. All right. There's two more things that we're going to do um, today. And then we're going to pray for people to be filled with the Spirit. Because I know there's some people who aren't filled with the second filling if you must, the, um, again, theologically, yes, you receive the Spirit as a seal of redemption, right, when we receive Christ, but there is more than that. And if you've been filled by the Spirit before, then be refilled, if you want to call it that. I, I really don't care, um, theologically, what we want to ascribe it to, but um, there's more that the Holy Spirit has for you wherever you're at, so we'll just call it that. And we'll just be open to receive whatever the more is that God has for us that we don't yet have. All right. Um, so first we're going to start though, before we get to that, we're going to do that last. And then for those who are in like bigger groups of people, um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of go ahead and sign off when we start to pray to receive the spirit after that, we'll sign off and you guys can keep praying or doing what you do in your homes. Um, but I want to talk for a few minutes about a couple other things. So Hebrews 12, one says, um, it talks about two things, right? I, I, I don't have this actual scripture written down, but it says, um, you know, it's talking about running the race with endurance, yeah. Hebrews 12. And so it talks about, let us run the race without the weights and sins that so easily ensnare us. And so we just talked about sin, so got that. <laughs> but weights are different. Weights are a totally different thing than sin. It's a totally different word. It's a cost. In the, in the Greek, it means heavy, large obstructions, things that are in your way from getting where you're supposed to go. So they're not bad things. They're just not God things, right? So it's something that's in the way of the things that God wants us to get to, 
and we've put it there maybe because we think it's a good thing maybe because like well god didn't tell me no maybe we've put it there and it's become a distraction but god actually wants us that is free to recognize the weights the things that are in the way that are actually ensnaring us ensnare is like a bear trap the thing that grabs onto your ankle and so you're trying to like go you're trying to move and that thing just has you ensnared and you're like oh there's no sin in my life like i'm living a pretty good life i'm doing pretty great and this thing is just holding you and it may be for all intents and purposes a good thing but it's not what god has for you and sometimes that's why it's hard to see the things that are holding us and so i want us to just ask holy spirit and this is something that you you know we'll have to kind of flesh out later but to ask Holy Spirit, what are there, what are any things, if there's anything, what is anything that is holding me back as a weight in my life? Things that are not sin, things that are good things or just not God things. Is there anything in my life that you're asking me to move out of the way because it's actually in the way of you? It's in the way of my obedience. And so there's some things in the way of our obedience and our ability to really run free after God and to run without obstruction. It may be something that takes up a bunch of our time. It may be something that, you know, again, it isn't bad. And so you're like, oh, why is that? That's not bad. But if the Holy Spirit is revealing it to you, ask him, okay, well, why? Why is that a weight in my life? Why do you want me to do? You know, God can have a conversation with us. He's not just like this dictator telling us, do it. You know, and we're like, yes, God. I mean, yeah, like we should do what he tells us, right? But like, he's not like a parent that can't like, well, why? You can tell us why. It's not bad. So that's something you can, you can pray on your own more into that. If there are things that are blocking you from being able to move forward. Um, all right. We want to talk about for a minute, I want to talk about bonds in the spirit. So what would classify this would be a soul tie or what we'll call a fear bond. So a soul tie is something that is basically constructed in the spirit realm, right? A soul tie is directed in the spirit realm through um, a very close relationship with someone. Um, if, you, if you've had any kind of like intercourse, I'll use that word, children, children around. If you had any kind of intercourse with somebody, you got a soul tie. If you have had a close relationship with that person, um, you know, could be a best friend, could be a parent sometimes, could be, you know, somebody that you didn't necessarily have like an intimate relationship with, but you've got a real close relationship with that person and it's unhealthy, you could have a soul tie there. And it's a tie in the spirit that basically connects you. It's like a highway. What this person deals with, you're going to deal with it. What they're struggling with, you're going to struggle with it. You'll dream about them. You'll wonder where they are. This is why people can be married. And like 20 years later, they're still like, oh, that person who never was back from high school, I still think about them. I still have dreams. I still know when they're not okay. That's a soul tie. And you need to break that because those people are no longer supposed to have access to your spirit. This is very real. And so you're like, I don't know about that. Okay. But I'm telling you, it's real. But anyway, so what we're going to do is we're going to ask God. And basically, we're going to break off that, we're going to sever that in the spirit. So think about like scissors coming up and cutting that off from you. Think of like a line that like is attached to you. We're going to cut it off because the Holy Spirit has the power to do that. This is why in the Bible, it says when the two become one flesh, right? When he talks about Adam and Eve, 
he's talking about a soul tie. The two become one. Sometimes we become one with people we're actually not supposed to be one with. And so we're like one in a bunch of places, piece of me over there, piece of me over there, piece of me over here, piece of me over there. And we actually need to call back what belongs to us in the spirit and cut ourselves off from all these random people all around. And so what we're going to do, that's a soul tie. The second one we'll call a fear bond. This is another like connection to somebody spiritually who has manipulated and controlled you through fear. So usually this is like an authority figure. It could be like a previous um, boss. It could be a parent. It could be um, a relationship, like an abusive relationship that we were in, um, which may also kind of be a soul tie, but you know, like they used control and manipulation and fear to get us to do what they want us to do. And so sometimes you can be on the other side of the world from that person, but you still feel the fear. You still feel the manipulation. Or it's like anytime you get a text from them, you, ah, you're afraid. Or anytime somebody who is in the same role as that person in your life, this is primarily with, is with issues with authority. So if we've got people in the past who've been in authority in our life, who abused us spiritually or who abuse us in some way, Anytime we're in an authority situation, we're going to almost like have a flashback. Ah! And it makes us feel the same feeling because there's actually a bond there that needs to be broken off and healed from that person. So does that make sense? Yeah. I, I think I, probably a lot of people be like, oh yeah. So probably some of us have already like know about this, but some of us might not. And so it's important to just kind of explain things. Some of you might be like, um, old news, I already know that. I broke all my soul ties last year. But maybe some of us didn't. So um, it's important that we talk about it. Um, so what we're going to do now, we're going to break soul ties. And so I want everybody to just close your eyes. And maybe you have like no unholy, unhealthy soul ties. And that's wonderful if you've already done this. But if you haven't already done this, it's important to do. Um, and so you may need to actually say people's, you may need to go into this later again on your own. And you may need to pray this one at a time. God may show you people that you actually need to pray um, into this about. But we're going to pray a general prayer right now. And we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to break any soul ties that are unholy, that should not remain. And so um, why don't we close our eyes and everybody, we can all just pray this together. So Father God, I invite you to break any and every unholy soul tie currently on my life. I choose to sever all connection to these people. And I sever all influence from them. I send back to them what belongs to them. And I receive back to me what belongs to me. Washed and cleansed in the blood of Jesus. Who actually like felt something shift from that? Yeah, there's like a couple people here that did. I've had, I've had somebody go like, before like this, like when everything was like coming back to them. Because, like, they were just, you know, they had a very, like, broken past. And so it was like they felt like God just, like, almost like they got, like, put back together. <laughs> so let's do, let's do fear bonds now. 
and we're going to pray and we're going to actually break off any illegitimate authority over your life that is not from God. So let's, uh, let's do that now. Um, Father God, I choose to break any and all bonds of fear that are connected to my life. I sever any influence from false authority. And I break any connection to them. I come under the lordship of Jesus. And I send back to them what belongs to them. And I receive back to me what belongs to me. Washed and cleansed in the blood of Jesus. And I break agreement with any spirit of manipulation or control that was in operation through this relationship. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Somebody felt it over here. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. That's great. I love that. Some of this stuff is so easy. I remember the first time I started like getting like real free and I was like, dang, like why didn't anybody tell me about this? Like 10 years ago, I'm living with all this stuff. All right. Um, so the last thing we're going to do is generational healing. And we're going to do this as a group. We're going to, and so generation stuff, some, again, like, you know, some people are like, I'm for it. I'm not, that's okay. But here's how I'll explain it. Um, so in your family, <laughs> in your family, there could be, uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it lust. Let me just choose one. I'll call it lust. So, oh, my grandpa dealt with that. Oh, also my dad dealt with that. Also I deal with that. That's generational. Um, now, is it a generational curse? Well, we've been freed from the curse. Yeah, if we get free. <laughs> yes. So if it's around your home, it's finding ways to get to you from the time you're born, basically. And so if the devil can establish a place of authority in your life, an agreement with you, it's gonna to continue to be an operation in your family, in your life, and on and on and on, right? But God breaks the power of the curse, right? Talks about in Exodus 34, seven, um, where it's talking about God, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and the fourth generation. So this is where, you know, cleansing to the fourth generation kind of comes in that under the law of sin, the parents pay, or the, what the parents did, the children will pay the penalty for the sin of the parents. But under the law of grace, it says in um, Deuteronomy 7, 9, therefore know the Lord, um, the Lord your God is God. He's faithful, keeping a covenant of love to a thousand generations. And so the sin and the death and the curse goes to the fourth generation, but the covenant of love goes to a thousand generations. And so when we come into the covenant of love, we are set free from the curse of any kind. So specifically, I wanted to pray about generational curses. And then obviously there are things that, you know, can be other forms of curses. Like we're not going to get too hard into witchcraft today. We don't have time, but I wish it was funny. I wish it was funny. Somebody laughed over here. Like I'm serious. You know what I mean? Like, especially in certain cities, like I'm so serious. I wish witchcraft was a joke. It's not a joke. And so some of us may need to ask God, you know, and this will fit in the sin category as well and repentance for some things that we've been dabbling in that we're like, oh, it's fine. It's just like a massage with essential oils and they just say some stuff. 
No. <laughs> Some of us need to actually ask God for clarity. Is this from you or not? Here's like, here's like a, here's a clue. Anything spiritual that's not from Jesus is witchcraft. So just to, to bring some clarity, but anyway, we're going to, we're going to just touch on the generational thing for right now. So what we're going to do, we're just actually going to bind up any curse that has come from our family line. And we're going to invite the blessing of God to come in instead. Really simple. And some of us may have some things that require, like I said, some deeper, uh, some deeper work or some deeper prayer, some deeper healing. And if the Holy Spirit is showing you that, hey, this is kind of like a bigger deal than this, tell, tell your leader, reach out so that we can help you to get the freedom you need and whatever that thing is. Um, but we're just going to pray a general, cur um, a general curse. Oh, no, a general blessing and a breaking of any curses to the fourth generation. So, um, it's real simple. So everybody can just repeat after me. Um, Father God, I thank you for the blood of Jesus that breaks every curse over my life and my children. Thank you that your blessing extends to a thousand generations. And so in the name of Jesus, and by the power of the blood of Jesus, I cut off any curse from the fourth generation that has come into my family. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to free me from any and all oppression in the name of Jesus. All right, now we're going to do the same thing with the third generation, second, and the first, all right? Father God, I plead the blood of Jesus over any curse that has come into my family from the third generation. I reject any words spoken. Specifically, for whatever reason, somebody, somebody needs to say that. I don't normally have that in this prayer. Um, yeah, so I reject any words spoken. And I send back, I send back anything that was given to me that was not from you, Jesus. I repent of any and all sin that has come from the third generation. And I cut off. By the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus and, the of Jesus, and the blood of Jesus, any oppression, any oppression that has affected my life. Affected my life. All right, second generation. Father God, Father God I cut off by the blood of Jesus any sin or curse from the second generation. I send it back. Where it, came from. where it came from and by the blood of Jesus and the power of the name of Jesus I cut off, I cut off any, oppression any oppression in Jesus name, in Jesus name. all right and now the first generation um, father God, father God I, cut off I cut off by the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. any and all 
oppression, oppression. sin, sin. Um, just anything that's come that's not from you, Jesus. From the first generation. And I cut it off by the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, some people may have just felt something shift. Some may not have. Um, if, if there's been witchcraft, if there's been some things that sometimes can be a little bit more uh, deeper oppression, then, like I said, you might need some more, you might need to pray through this a little bit more in depth. But um, we'll, we'll go ahead and move on. The, the point of today is really just to help us understand that freedom is possible, right, in all of these things. And so, like we said in the beginning, if everything isn't dealt with in five seconds, it's okay. But it's showing you that it's possible. And it's telling us and kind of giving us a heads up, oh, okay, I'm, I'm needing some work in this area. I'm needing some help in this area. I need to pray through this. Um, and so the last thing that we're going to do now is we're going to pray for people who have not received a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And like we said before, if, um, or like we, it's just me, like I said before, um, you know, if it's something that you have already received, have some more. If it's something that you have not received, have it for the first time. Um, if you have received it five times, then just have it again. It's fine. Um, and so theologically, no one has a problem. And so um, maybe we can just, uh, why don't we all stand up from wherever we are, if you can, because I want us to put, our, put ourselves into an active posture. We've been sitting for a while, kind of more in a um, receiving posture. I want to put us more in like an active posture. We're still going to receive. But... Um, we just get into a place where we can receive from God. And, I mean, we, we, if you have never received a baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, then raise your hand because I want people to actually lay hands on you. And if you're not sure, then just go with no. And then <laughs> you're like, I don't know. That's actually how I got baptized in the Spirit. So we were just like, come, come up. And I'm like, I think I did, though. I think I was. And I was like, hey, I think it happened already. And then the Holy Spirit was just like, just go. So, you know, and like I said, you can't be wrong on this, right? Because, like, there's more. There's always more. So why don't we all just be like, yes to more? So even if I have nothing, I'll take that. I'll take some. And if I've got some, I'll take some more. And if I've got a bunch, I'll take even more than that. Um, and so what we're going to do, we're going to invite the presence of God. I want you to put your hands out. If you're somebody who's prone to just, like, falling over, manifesting, doing all that, put yourself in front of a couch or something. I don't want you to get I'm serious. Because <laughs> I'm like that. I can't be like doing all this with no like catcher. I'm like, oh, it'll just be done. So, yeah, yeah. Like, so get in front of a couch or something if you're somebody who really gets the fire, you know? All right. Um, so why don't we, in your, in your home, uh, you know, if you've got somebody with like around you start, and you know you are like filled up, ready to go, like full of the fire God, then go ahead and start laying hands on people and just asking Holy Spirit to come. We don't have to pray complicated prayers. God knows what he's doing. Just Holy Spirit, fill them with fire. Fill them with power. Fill them with your grace. Thank you, Lord. Your grace is enough. Thank you that you give good gifts to your children, that you love us fully. You love us completely. Even if there's sin we still got to deal with in our life, you will still come. So don't let your mind think, oh, but I still didn't like pray through that one sin. He's coming. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Bring grace. 
Bring new gifts. Bring the fire of God to burn away the works of the enemy. Bring your fire, God. Bring your power, God. Thank you, Lord, that you are giving new gifts. If you're somebody who wants to walk in the gift of healing, why don't you put your hands out? If you are believing God to walk in a gift of healing, put your hands out. And in Jesus' name, I impart a gift of healing to you, that you would walk, that you would see the sick recover, that you would see the power of God move through your hands, that you would lay hands on people and they would feel the power and the love of God in their bodies. In Jesus' name. If you're somebody who doesn't have a prayer language, it is important and it is biblical. And again, we won't do theology right now, but if that's something you don't have and it's something you want, put up your hands. Put up your hands right now. If you don't have the language of the Holy Spirit and you want to receive it, put up your hands. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come. I thank you, God, that you give us nothing that is not good, but you will give us things sometimes that scare us. And so we put aside our fear and we put aside our human intellect and we receive from your spirit. We receive what you want to give us through your power. And so right now, just begin to pray, begin to declare who God is, begin to out loud speak. You are good. You are wonderful. You are the God above every God. Your name is above every name. Just begin to pray and speak out. And just if, if something else starts coming out, go with it. And you know what? If it doesn't happen right now, it's coming. Keep your faith. Don't worry about right now it has to happen. It might and it might not. It's okay. Do you know what the premise is of asking for the Spirit? That we asked. That's what God gives us. What we ask for because He is good. So we thank you, Lord. We receive from you. We receive your spirit. We receive a new outpouring, a new impartation. We receive what you have for us, God. We move our mind out of the way and we open up our spirit in the name of Jesus. I just believe God is wanting to give the gift of faith. That there's people who walk into situations and you have been afraid. And I, I, I honestly, I feel like this is maybe for like one or two people. I don't think it's for like a bunch of people, but I think um, Gabriel, is he here? Gabriel is one of them. You popped into my heart from LA. Are you here? Is Gabe from LA here right now? Oh, hi. <laughs> He's here. Um, can somebody lay hands on Gabe? Mark, if you're there with Gabe, can you lay hands on Gabe? Um, where is America? Are you here? Is America still here? All right, well, maybe she'll watch it later. Oh, is she there? Okay, it's fine. She's on the phone call. Oh, okay, cool. Well, America, I'm talking to you. Can't see you, but um, America from Toledo. Um, and anyone else who's like, you didn't call my name, but I still want it. So just put up your hands <laughs> if you want to receive a gift of faith. And the gift of faith takes you into environments where nothing could happen. Like, like God better show up because what you said is going to happen right? It's like, you know, that you know, that you know, that God is filling you with faith and power. And it's like, you're going to declare something and you're like, Ooh, God better back me up. And he's going to. And so in Jesus name, we just release the gift of faith. And we thank you, God, that you are raising up a people full of faith, full of your words, full of power, who will listen to your voice, who will step into situations that are impossible. And they will declare that you make all things possible in Jesus name. And so we thank you, God, that you are filling us with your faith. That is not our faith we bring into the situation, but it's your faith that we bring into the situation. And when we step in with your faith, 
things in the natural are going to come into agreement with the supernatural. And so we release a gift of faith in the name of Jesus to those with arms outstretched who will say, I will go into those situations where if you don't back me up, I will be embarrassed. I will go into those situations where if you don't back me up, I'm going to look like a fool. I will go into the situation where if you don't back me up, I'm going to feel really, really dumb. But you know what? I'm going to step in anyway. And even if I'm wrong, I'm going to step out again. And so we thank you, Lord. We thank you for a gift of faith that you are bestowing on your people to obey you no matter the cost, no matter the situation. We lay down self. We lay down self that you may reign in us, Jesus. And all of the work that we have been doing today and the work that we continue to do, the healing work that we continue to do, we do it because we want to be used by you. We do it because we do not want the devil to win in our life. We do not want to be rendered useless when we can be useful for your kingdom. And so we come into agreement with you, God. We come into your plan for our life. I say yes. I say yes. Just say yes to God. I say yes to you. I come into agreement with what you want to do through my life. I refuse to get in the way. I refuse to get in the way. The world needs you. The world needs me. The world needs you to do what God is telling you to do. The world needs us to get out of our own way so that Jesus can shine, so that the light of the gospel can reach the world. People are waiting. We say yes. We say yes. Jesus. Fill us with your power, God. Fill us with your power, Lord. <laughs> Who needs joy? <laughs> All right. Well, if you need joy, God's got joy for you. You know, joy comes from the spirit. Joy comes nothing from circumstance. You could be in the worst circumstance, and the joy of the Holy Spirit is your strength. <laughs> so if you need joy, woo, receive joy. <laughs> receive joy in the name of Jesus. Nobody's supposed to be sad all the time walking around. That's not what a Christian's supposed to look like. Receive joy. Thank you, God, for what you've done today. Thank you, Lord, that you are present with your people, that if we're bored, it's us, because you're not boring. And so we invite you back into the place of authority in our gatherings. We cast off apathy in Jesus' name. We cast off confusion and distraction and deception, and we say that we are a people that will be used by God. We are a people who will take authority in our cities. We will not lay down and be boring and bored and apathetic about what God wants to do. We will not look at the things and the way that the devil is destroying lives all around us and sit back, well, it's not my problem. It is my problem. It is my problem what the devil is doing in my city. It is my problem. And is mine the solution? I'm the solution. God, make us solution people, not problem people. We receive your solutions in Jesus' name. All right. Thank you, Lord.